Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to be doing a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Did you say Star Shrek? <laughs> you really Space, bulldozed the, the title. The final frontier. <laughs> These are the voyages. Welcome to Star Trek Impression Cast. <laughs> you're, uh, you're twice weekly, 40 minutes of hacky impressions. I'm your Just, host, Adam Pranica. Desperately hacky and and unoriginal and and you I mean not only unoriginal but bad versions of unoriginal impressions. Yeah, yeah. It's like an impression of an impression of an impression kind of impressions. Just gross. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to everybody that listens that doesn't like it when we break into. Picasby or Trump Picard. I think they're long gone. I think anyone who isn't into our impressions left after the second episode. Yeah. At the time of this recording, uh, the new movie is sort of on the horizon, Ben. Yeah. I. <laughs> a few people have even tweeted me and said, like, what do you think of the new movie? And I've been like, I don't know. Is it out? I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I thought you would have, like, had some sort of in. And, uh... That's uh, that's not how this podcast works. We are not in with the cool kids that get to go see things before they're out. Well, let me tell you how this podcast works. We're ben. firmly on the outside. I think you might. I think you might already be clear on this. You and I do about as little work as possible, <laughs> and our listeners do things like uh, bombard a. <laughs> Bombard a Twitter feed on our behalf, or yeah. they'll set up Facebook and Reddit pages for us. Uh, yeah. They would probably also be the most likely to get a screener. Somebody uh, made an Argyle Shimoda bumper sticker mock-up, like a like a presidential campaign with Argyle and Shimoda on the ticket. They've got my vote. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Shimoda as vice president would be more or less fun than Joe Biden right now? Because I, I love Joe Biden. Just as a person, he's, he's the greatest. He's definitely the drunk Shimoda of the <laughs> current government. <laughs> yep. Even though he's not, he's, he's a teetotaler. Mm-hmm. I read a New Yorker profile in Joe Biden one time, and it said that the plane that he flies around, which is like the hoopty version of Air Force One. It is, yeah. Uh, he has a little office on it, but there's no seat for somebody that wants to come in and sit and talk to him. There's just a cooler. <laughs> You have to pull out from under the desk to sit on. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Isn't that the most Joe Bideny fact you've ever heard? That that story reads like an Onion article. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, He's got coolest cooler under his desk. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to sit on the blender function. No, no, that's for personal use only. got a hell of an episode we're reviewing this time ben it's a uh, season three episode three who watches the watchers and i might have steamrolled whatever bit you wanted to do before the show <laughs> i don't think i had anything okay. i don't think i had anything chambered if i did i've forgotten it i'm pretty heavily hopped up on Dayquil right now uh, so oh tell getting, me about that getting over some stuff but uh you sound great Oh, yeah. Well, I, I uh, drifted in and out of consciousness as I watched my two episodes to prepare for uh, the show we are currently recording. Oh, you sound but, like what I've been accused of. As as uh, recently as today, someone accused me on our Facebook page of not really paying attention to the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the last couple of episodes, we've had some kind of glaring plot, mi- like, you know, misstatements of how the plot went. And... Uh, and people have kind of taken shots at us over that. Oh, like, I, we're not, we're I not trying to... We're given a sense of the plot so that we can joke about stuff while we do that. That's, yeah, that's I, the premise of the show. <laughs> it's not an academic summary of it, that's for sure. Yeah. I thought we had done a pretty good job setting up that expectation, but I guess not. Yeah. So the Enterprise is heading to help some anthropologists with a reactor. And... uh Chip is kind of moving at high speed and 
Jordy comes up to the bridge and he's like, we've got everything that they need. I just don't understand why they need so much power. He sort of deducts that they are using this this generator to power a duck blind, is what he calls it, which is a fun Federation term of art for using holograms to conceal the fact that some that scientists... That they're going to murder the things that they're out there watching. <laughs> <laughs> some scientists have set up a, a, a sneaky little observatory where they can uh they can surreptitiously watch a sort of pre-modern group of proto-vulcans uh called mentakins we should really talk about what these proto-vulcans look like ben because we have referred to unfrozen caveman lawyer before (laughs) sometimes the honking horns of your traffic make me want to get out of my BMW and run off into the hills or whatever. But these Vulcans look like Frankensteins. They have the, they have the wig that Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer has, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but just cut with like a real severe bang Yeah. Uh, to, uh, to sell that they are Vulcans. Yeah. Um, the, the back of it's real mullety, though. Yeah, they've got some real like Timmy from South Park head, <laughs> like sort of a sort of a triangular head. <laughs> I'd like like modern Vul- quote unquote modern Vulcans don't look like that. They've got I feel like a pretty standard head size, right? Well, they're keeping it they're keeping it trim in the back as well as the front. <laughs> These guys are business in the front, but they're fully party in the back. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when you're living in the Iron Age or whatever, uh, yeah. access to to clippers probably isn't a thing you've got. Right, and they've got they've got a little bit heavier of a brow, I would I would say, than your average Mister Spock. Yeah, they got a little bit of Cro-Magnon brow. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> they so, sort of look like Far Side characters, like the <laughs> like the Far Side cavemen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Gary Larson is credited as a <laughs> consulting producer on this episode. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, this this observatory is having some power problems, and while they're while they're on Facetime with the observatory, uh, the observatory gets a banger, and it's one of those perfect Star Trek industrial accidents that knocks everybody in the room out without killing anyone. But one of the one of the guys manages to uh, to slip out the window when he gets when he gets hit with the lightning bolt. It's and, totally uh, like an unnecessary spaghetti western scene where a guy <laughs> like a guy's on a roof and he gets shot and he doesn't need to do a forward flip into the hay bale, but yeah. he does anyway. Right, and 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 like a little unclear why they wouldn't also have a pane of uh, of glass on that window. Sure. But or or even better, uh, transparent aluminum on that window. Yeah, but, I don't uh, think that's an OSHA approved work workplace for sure. <laughs> no, for sure not. Because also, like when when it starts to go electric, that that electricity is arcing all over the place, and every yeah. metal surface picks it up. Like they need some they need some fiberglass in between those metal pieces to uh, to serve as damping barriers. If you're a continuity nerd, I think <laughs> I think you'll notice that this is the same electricity that that zapped Worf early in mm-hmm. season one. Definitely it looks same, very similar. Same stuff. Yeah, that electricity hasn't gotten any work for uh, an entire <laughs> season, but you know, its agent got it back in the show. That electricity finally paid its union dues. <laughs> so this guy goes out the window <sighs> as a couple of Mintakins are uh, out doing. Doing some uh, some timekeeping. They're they're fixing up the sundial, which is way better looking than uh, our our Earth sundials. You know, it's got like it's got like hoops and they, you know, and rings, and they've got a they've got to adjust many things on this thing. It's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. And these two and, these two are like our main characters. This is uh, this is Liko and his daughter Oji. Yeah, and they're sort of. I feel like they're also. I'm not sure if they cast uh, people of uh, First Nations descent, but uh, they sort of play them a little bit, like kind of a kind of a split between like 
like peasant people uh, in terms of the costuming, but like, you know, like European peasant people in terms of costume, but sort of uh, American Indian in terms of their uh, coloring and like belief system that they suddenly revert to spoiler alert and sure but i mean but like ray wise is Liko, and he's about the whitest guy that there is yeah but they put some they put some like uh some like darker base base makeup on his face than uh than he would typically take yeah you know what's interesting is pamela adlin plays og oh shit is that pam adlon Fuck yeah, and no she is, she is no less hot when she looks like Frankenstein. Like it it fucking yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, she's wow. fantastic. Pam Adlon is a a, a solid A plus. Yeah, in my book. Um, she might be too big for Greatest Gen Con 2017. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll try to reach out. I mean, I feel like the panel would be a lot classier with a with a Pam Adlon on it. Look, Pam, we can't afford to fly you up to Fresno, <laughs> but I've got a buddy with a car, like a, a 1992 Nissan Sentra. <laughs> we'll be happy to drive you up there. I just picture the... LA to Fresno is like seven hours, right? Yeah. Oof. I just picture us in a single room at the Red Roof Inn in, in Fresno. <laughs> And just some random weekend in 2017, just each each one sitting on the edge of a of a queen bed, facing each other, going like, um, uh, "You want to watch a watch an episode or something?" It's not the first time we've been in a strange bedroom together watching a Star Trek episode and then <laughs> recording an episode of our show. Yeah, sadly, think, that's something that we've done before. I think that's what Greatest Gen Con is going to shape up to look like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a really diabolical idea for what would happen with our show when we're done with the show, by the way. I, it was my understanding that this show would never end. I, I was thinking, what if we just go back to the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, during our clip show, we had to listen to a lot of those early episodes. And let me tell you, man, uh, I would be in for re-recording a couple of those. That's for sure. What if what if we did this? What if we did we just started reviewing our own show? What if- <laughs> <laughs> it just comes becomes the most disgustingly meta podcast of all time. I was thinking we do Goshevin style overdubs with like <laughs> different voices, like handpicked voice actors. Yeah. Oh god. Anyways, uh back on track. Um so the uh, the banger hits, and on the bridge of the Enterprise, Data turns around and says, "Like we could be there in twenty three minutes if we if we speed up." And Picard goes, "Speed up!" And then and then I guess I guess and then the banger hits, and Picard says, "Like step on it, let's go warp nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it made me wonder why we ever go anything less than warp nine. I know I was like, thinking what, the same thing. Why would you be going? Warp 7 if Warp 9 is available. Like, what does it use up? I don't know. Deuterium? I said I don't know, okay? Adam, I need you to, <laughs> I need you to clarify some stuff, okay? <laughs> uh, so they get there, and they get down to, to the facility, and so there's three... There's three uh, researchers there, and two of them are are in there, passed out, asked out, and the other one that fell out the window is missing. Yeah, who's in our Dustbuster Club, though? Uh, we got Riker, we got Data, we got Jordy, and Doctor Crusher. Crusher. Yep. Um, no Worf this time, right? No, because they're just in the facility. Like no, nothing to be worried about. Yeah. If anyone's and, uh, got a head to match what's going on down there, it's probably Worf. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so they get they get it like you know they get it safe they get the power turned back on, but before they get the hologram back up and running, uh, Liko pokes his head in the window <laughs> and it's a I I I think like my favorite unintentionally funny kind of shot that is in many many TV shows and movies is a character looking through a window <laughs> like it it always makes me laugh to j- just see a character like look 
just like poke their head through a window. Yeah. And, uh, and this is real funny also because data notices him and instead of like greeting him or, you know, trying to get him in a Vulcan neck pinch or something, he just turns and goes commander (laughs) and, uh, Liko like flips out, puts his hand on the metal wall of the, uh, of the window and, it shocks him, and he falls down the hill, and uh, he himself passes out. So they run out there. OG sees all this go down from a from a hiding place. Before we continue, I want to tie something up to... Uh, so Liko falls off the cliff. There are a couple of Wilhelm scream moments in this show. Everyone's falling off cliffs. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and uh, OG, OG... So OG sees the the doctor run out and beam up with her dad. And this is a real head fuck for somebody that lives in the, in the technological context that she lives in. Right. It is a guiding principle of a soft leading face. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. This is a big problem because this whole duck blind situation is meant to enable them to observe these, these people without causing any prime directive problems. And... They've basically doubled down on on the prime directive being broken. When Dr. Crusher gets back to the ship, Picard basically tears her a new one because she's brought a primitive on board who should never have been even aware of the duck blind, much less going on a starship. And so she agrees to wipe out his short-term memory using Pulaski's technique, which is the first and maybe last time uh, Pulaski is ever mentioned in the post-Pulaski era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, her case is interesting because the way she puts it is, it's sort of like lying to cover up a lie to cover up a lie. Like, they keep hurting by helping, is what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like a a series of well-intentioned actions that just snowball into a totally crazy, like, unbelievable prime directive violation that is a hundred percent off the rails before they're even willing to admit it to themselves. Like, right. Like they think that they're going to wipe this guy's memory, but they still have a guy missing on the planet's surface. And there's like a good chance that he's still alive because they can't find his signal, which means he probably ran into a cave or something. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, Picard is not showing how deep in shit they are by raising his hand up to his eyeballs. But, like they're they're that deep and and I think that it's interesting that they don't really admit it to themselves uh at this point. Well, they have one of those like meeting of the gods McLaughlin groups in the conference room. Issue 1. Where they go over what exactly they can do now and it is so godlike to hear what their options are. And in the end, Riker has a very interesting idea for how they might find the missing person. Well, we should talk about the the discussion though, because Picard is like is being told by the lead researcher that that uh, what they should do is just like provide a Ten Commandments to the Mintakans and bounce, right? Right. <laughs> Which is a, a a stupendously alarming idea. Like he says, without these Ten Commandments, it'll just be nothing but Spanish Inquisitions. <laughs> Inquisition. That is the most interesting part of this episode is like thinking about whether them injecting a little bit of their own morality would actually be a positive situation in this prime directive violation or not. Like it definitely like I'm very publicly anti prime directive. And I think that- I think everyone here knows that. <laughs> the prime directive is a chinese hoax everybody everybody should be aware that the chinese have been beating us over the head with this prime directive thing for years it's the chemtrails of the federation yeah well but like but that's this is a a case in point right like if they if they drop off some federation morality like can they actually trust that it would get practiced or are they stuck monitoring and sculpting this culture for the rest of history yeah i think one of the great points that's brought up in the room is religion for its own sake is fairly benign but uh 
religion easily becomes warped into things that turn into death for a lot of people. They abandon their belief in the supernatural. Now you are asking me to sabotage that achievement, to send them back into the dark ages of superstition and ignorance and fear? No! Right, but I'm not sure why the anthropologist is so sure that their ginned-up religion that they would just leave leave on the doorstep before they they split would be impervious to multiple interpretations, you know? He's been watching these Frankensteins for a while. I probably trust his judgment. <laughs> okay, fair enough, Adam. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So the, the plan is hatched that Riker and Troy are going to go down and look around, see if they can find this guy that's, that's still missing. So, yeah, they... Uh... They get made up to look like proto-Vulcans, including the headpiece and the clothing. And this is, once again, a great opportunity for Riker to sport the open V, (laughs) which goes all the way down again. You're going to put that thing on and parade around like one of them? Riker is in the latest of summer trends. (laughs) He's got the deep V, he's got cut-off shorts, he's got knee-high boots got a, a fun satchel slung over one shoulder. Yeah. He is looking ready for fun in the sun. He's got that heat wave Williamsburg bartender look. <laughs> and uh, Troy is basically in like a form-fitting burlap sack. <laughs> she is in the yeah. heaviest the heaviest looking floor-length dress. She's looking pretty dumpy. I don't think it's dumpy. It's just it's hella conservative. And for a society that is matriarchal in the way that she describes yeah a little bit strange as a choice on the costume department's uh part yeah is this a good time to discuss the kind of depeche mode score that they drop in every time they're down on the planet surface i uh i can't think of a better time it is really synthy and weird like (laughs) I don't know if it's uh, if if it's Ron Moore's uh, situation here. I should probably look that up before I start talking shit. But it, yeah, it sounds really different from any other episode we've seen uh, this season. Certainly, like wow. sort of a throwback to season one, Cynthia. Yeah, I I didn't pick up on that, but in my defense, I was probably you were pretty gacked on Dayquil. I, yeah. <laughs> As uh, I was not not in my right mind when I watched this episode. God, does but, Ben even pay attention to these episodes? Speaking of people who are not in their right minds, uh, Liko Liko has been fixed up and gets back to his his village, and he and uh, his daughter start start talking about the experience he's remembering from the Enterprise, which uh, we we becomes very apparent very quickly that. Crusher is, is is no Pulaski when it comes to memory wiping. Uh, he's he remembers everything, and he has he has interpreted his uh, memory of Picard as uh, being of meeting God, because Picard was in in charge and was looking for this missing guy, and uh, and so Liko comes back and through just a kind of jaw dropping series of logical leaps has got the whole village believing in their ancient religion anew and the appearance of Riker and Troy to sort of like dispel this virus of spreading religion is no good because just then two of the cavemaniest of cavemen show up with uh, with Palmer the missing scientist slung over their shoulders yeah it's not a good look Especially yeah. because that's the moment that Riker and Troy have infiltrated the camp. I felt like Troy and, and Riker didn't really put their thinking caps on with this. Like they realized that the the prime directive violation is they're, they they're the first ones to realize like how deep the shit they are in is, and they just kind of keep letting a logical fallacy fly by without debunking it. You know, like they keep like when Liko will say, "Oh." you know, we found Palmer, the Picard will be happy with us. He maybe can bring back my dead wife. They don't go like, what gives you the sense that 
the Picard has any awareness of you or interest in you. Like, you know, it's the same thing when, when people insist that they, that, you know, in their religious conviction in, in a, you know, public political way, it's like, how did you, how are you so certain that you know what God thinks? Like when there are other people of the same religion that disagree with you, like, how did you get so convicted in that? And he is convicted in in thinking he knows what Picard wants as soon as he is convicted in thinking that Picard is God. Right, right. (laughs) Like, it could be that Riker feels that way about it. Like, how are you going to talk sense to a religious fundamentalist? You can't. So, like, he's got to think of a a plan B pretty fast. Like, talking this guy out of his thinking is, is probably hopeless. Yeah, well, especially when he looks so dumb. Riker's been on this planet for all the 10 minutes and he hasn't fucked anyone. <laughs> yeah, he's a little out of sorts. This you know? field trip is a failure. <laughs> um, They're getting some super great mileage out of this intensive command playset, though. Yeah, oh, you think that's the same walls but repurposed? I think so. It sure looks like it. That's interesting. Uh, it, it felt different to me, but you might be right. Uh, it might just be, might just be like lit really differently yeah you throw some hay around yeah trowel on a little extra stucco to make it look more rustic yeah 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 you might be right picard orders Riker to do everything in in his power to get palmer the missing scientist back up onto the ship and the way they do this is troy provides a distraction by saying that she sees another another scientist out in the out in the countryside Every single person but the old man uh, <laughs> runs out to to help her track this fictional person down, and Riker stays behind and like and like ties the old man up and runs out with with the uh, with the beat up scientist who is like Riker's tied people up by the wrists a bunch. Yeah, like he's yeah, really he, great at that. He knows some knots. He knows some safe words. <laughs> so he's he's like running away with Palmer and OG like circles back to adjust her sundial again. And uh, she sees Riker. And so she puts the bow shooting guy onto Riker's case. And so there's kind of a kind of like a running around in the hills chase scene where Riker is trying to get away from this guy while he's carrying this man over his shoulders. And, and the guy keeps it doesn't look to, easy trying to line up a trying to line up a bow and arrow and not getting a great angle on it i love that their idea of an iron age bow is clearly like a modern carbon bow but yeah but wrapped in bacon yeah they definitely went down to like models and got like the (laughs) dopest bow and arrow like like somebody in the prop department was like i kind of want to like get into archery so i'm gonna buy the dopest bow we can afford on this budget, and then after we're done shooting this, I'm just going to take that shit home, and I'm going to yeah. have a really nice bow. <laughs> Super dope bow. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just some some like uh, some like hemp rope wrapped around. Yeah, just <laughs> loosely draped. Yeah, so Riker manages to lose this guy and get beamed back up, but then then they know that Troy is up to no good and is not who she claims to be, so they take her hostage and the talk is starting to be of like, why don't we think about maybe sacrificing Troy to Picard? Because she is clearly like done the opposite of what Picard wants. Why is the first thing people want to do when they're a weird religious zealot is kill people in the name of their God. (laughs) Oh man. That's like the first thing that they jump to. And this is a fairly new interpretation of a religion for these people on the planet. Right. And that guy like, gets there in like an hour. Yeah. I don't know if we said this before, but like the, the deal with these people is that they like walked away from religion and superstition a long time ago and they are a they are growing up growing up rational. Like they have science and reason and logic. In know. a pretty Vulcan way. They're 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 very precocious in that way. Yeah. yeah. So it's a sticky wicket that they're start starting to be fully fully radicalized religious zealots but the snowball gets more powder at this point because now troy's a hostage 
Right. And so, so Picard is like, fuck this. Like, I'm going to talk to their leader. Like, let's beam, let's beam their leader up. And so their leader is this woman, Nuria, who, you know, has been mostly trying to talk Liko down from some of the more insane things that he suggests, but is pretty much believing what Liko is saying because she's seen evidence that has satisfied her for, for whatever reason. And so they get Troy to kind of let let them know when Noria is alone and they beam her up to the ship. And so like Picard goes down to the transporter bay to do this himself. He like tells Chief O'Brien to take a smoke break. And uh, yet another like 10 second O'Brien scene in a yeah. next generation episode. Like he yeah. is the master of that. Yeah, he he did he didn't even get a line this time. He definitely got scale for this uh, this scene. They were just like, Colm, why don't you come down? We're not going to pay you like a featured role rate, but uh, you can get like two hundred and fifty bucks if you want to come down today and be this be the transporter guy. He kind of has the best job. Yeah, very low stakes. He got a new uniform too. Like he's not just one of those assholes in the old spandex. Yeah. Yeah, his pips move up to the collar. <laughs> the Mandarin collar. Yeah. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. hypnotic. This is a scene where I felt like it was a real missed opportunity, and if uh, if I had been directing this episode, here's how it would have gone down. <laughs> Picard would have... Th- uh, slid his hand up the uh, up the transporter control, beaming Nuria up, and she would have beamed up in full squat with her dress bunched up around her waist. Because what would she be going to do by herself other than take a poo? Oh, jeez, <laughs> that went to a place a couple of times that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Man, you really crossed me over on that one. She, she, uh, I just, uh, thought I'd lay a little poo trap for you. Um, she immediately takes a knee because he introduces himself as Picard. And that is enough for her to realize that she is in the glorious and divine presence of her, of her maker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he basically spends like a quarter of the episode walking her around trying to, talk her out of her now newly deeply held religious conviction. And, and this uh, is a thing that he's done before with chicks. He uh he grabs them from their planet, brings them up to the ship and then shows them what their planet looks like from above. This yeah. is this is a thing that's happened many times. Yeah, and and it's not the last time it'll happen either. No. Um It's sort of she- his move. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like Wesley's chocolate. Uh, yeah. Picard's got a big window. Yeah. So I sort of questioned whether his taking her to see the planet f- from the window was the right move for her. Because, I mean, this is like, like he's trying to talk her into, I'm not a magical being. I just have sufficiently advanced technology. Uh, but he basically shows her the most amazing thing that he could, right? Like, I guess, I guess he doesn't replicate something or whatever, but he he goes and shows her her planet from a stupendous altitude. And, like, I feel like that that is a major backstep in him. Yeah, that kind of un- undermines his point, right? Un- unconvincing her of his divinity. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, If God creatures are mostly depicted as, you know those who exist above yeah. uh, the people they rule, then that was kind of a misstep. Yeah. But so he, he talks her through, like, you know, if if uh, an even more cavey cave person <laughs> met, met you, what would they think of the fact that you know how to build a hut and, and make a, a bow? And he basically introduces her to the the idea of abstract thought and... He tries to lawyer her a little bit. He tries to lawyer her, but like he kind of he kind of introduces her to a way of thinking, yeah. even. And yeah. I thought that that was a, an interest. I mean, I don't know what else they would have done, but an interesting choice on the writer's part because the 
idea that they're extremely rational, but also sort of need to be introduced to abstraction as a, as a thought process, mm-hmm. uh, seemed a little bit at odds. Yeah. Um, but eventually like she gets, she, she's like starting to talk the way he wants her to talk, but then she asks him, Hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you do us a favor and bring back some of the people that have died? And he's like, fuck. (laughs) Like, I really thought I had you, and it is clear that I'm not gone far enough. So he takes her down to sickbay, where conveniently one of the researchers that they beamed up is shuffling loose this mortal coil. And that, that really, like, drives the point home for her, that they're not all powerful. They are just more powerful than her. Hey, that might be a good time to play a commercial. (laughs) okay adam if we're gonna do something very abrupt let's do it (laughs) a good time so often has a downside doesn't it especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie we've all been hungover before i mean many of us have i guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy and that sucks right Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and... They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful. No matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Oh boy, wasn't that a great commercial, Ben? I loved hearing that commercial. (laughs) So the next thing that happens is Picard and Noria beam down with the project of not letting Liko assassinate Troy and 
also helping the whole tribe understand that he's not God. And uh, <laughs> it gets to a point where Liko is so pissed that Picard keeps insisting he's not God that Liko grabs the bow and... The bacon bow? Yeah, and draws it pointed at Picard. And uh, Picard basically challenges him to to shoot him. And he challenges him with the confidence of a man who knows that Dr. Crusher is but a transporter beam away. Right, like, right. Like, he's like, probably this can't kill me. <laughs> Where does the arrow have to go for that not to be true, though? Like, if I mean, the I, arrow goes right through his eye and into his brain, that could kill him, right? I feel like even that, they could, like transporter reconstruct man i don't know and he's got that metal heart too like it would probably just bounce off the metal heart (laughs) yeah that would probably prove liko's point if he heart shots him and it just just bounces off talk about your all-time backfires absolutely but Liko draws and is about to hit him and uh his daughter freaks out at the last minute and bumps him so so the arrow just goes into Picard's shoulder and uh and when Nuria stoops to try and help him she holds up her hand and it's covered in Picard blood and that is like Liko's losing his faith moment yeah because gods don't bleed right (laughs) only women bleed Adam only women bleed (laughs) you were just mentioning how the doctor's only a transporter away from fixing Picard. Do you think the sling that Picard returns to the planet wearing is is a is just a showpiece and that his arm yeah. is is fine? Because if I he mean, re- if he returned all good, that might again, that might kneecap his point about not being a god. He sort of has to look a little wounded, right? Yeah, we've definitely seen the doctor like use some dermal regenerators where like somebody has a flesh wound and then they don't. So I think I think you might be right about that. I mean it's yeah. that's that's headcanon, but I think you probably <laughs> I think you're probably on the right track. You know, Hank. if if you want headcanon, it's probably a good idea to give headcanon first, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It comes it comes as a standard part of the package. So this last scene where Picard's arm is in the sling is like him with the with the chair turned around backwards kind of <laughs> kind of real real talk for teens guidance counseloring them situation where they're going like so you were just like us before you were you. He's like <laughs> exactly. They're pretty cool about accepting the fact that they had their privacy violated for a long period of time without their knowledge. And they're so cool about it that they give Picard a nice piece of woven goods mm-hmm. to take home as a as a souvenir of his time on planet Mentaka. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real nice gift. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of a remember us with this tapestry sort of gift and Picard's like, There's no way I'm forgetting you guys and you guys he's he best. sort of he sort of pats his arm like mm-hmm. Like in a real fuck you kind of way. <laughs> this scar will be an enduring memory. Yeah. Well. You see that's... that tapestry all the time in future episodes. Like, yeah. that thing sticks around. That's one thing I like about the show. Like, when when a character has, like, a kind of a, a character building episode that results in a piece of, of props, like, they don't they don't forget about it, you know? Yeah, props even, to props. Even though, even though the episodes tend to be total monster of the week type deals, like there are little bits of continuity that go through the show, and uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, me too. It rewards Good. a careful viewing. My love is a hey Ben, what's that, Adam? Uh, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda this episode? Shimoda. My drunk Shimoda is the uh, the chief anthropologist. I can't even remember the guy's name, but just so forceful in his argument that they just got to leave some Ten Commandments and get the hell out of there. It's, it's like the opposite of what he should represent as a scientist. Like he's there under the aegis of the prime directive, studying an untouched culture to like better understand 
human and and uh, Vulcan culture as they developed. And he's like, uh, 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 we got to totally despoil their culture and get the fuck out of here. He joins a really growing club of shitty scientists depicted on this show. Yeah, like every time a science man gets gray hair in this show, he just winds up being such a prick. Terrible science man. Yeah. What about you? Uh, my Shimoda goes to none other than the Picard. <laughs> because the choice to beam Nuria to the ship may have offered like only a handful of opportunities to convince her that Picard is not a god, while at the same time... Like, if she walks through that ship with her eyes open at all, like, <laughs> every corner of that ship is magic, from the doors to the food replicators to the weird aliens right. to anything that she sees on that ship is equivalent to godlike, according to her, like, a- according to her level of intelligence. And Right, like, he takes calls on his communicator in, in this... Yeah. In, in front of her. And yeah. And, like... Like, that was conceivable in the 80s, right? Yeah. And that's possible now. Like, we could make a thing that is the size of a communicator that can send and receive radio signals and yeah. make little sounds. But it wasn't it wasn't buildable in the 80s. Like, you couldn't make that yeah. then. And even 40 years before that, it was a completely insane science fiction idea, right? Right. It's fucking mental that she is able to be convinced. Yeah, Picard totally goes rogue on this idea. And Picard's like, "Hey, Nuria, uh, you want to go watch someone die with me?" So they go into six, <laughs> they go into six bay. And sure, they watch someone die, but there's also a thousand other things in that room that indicate their their godlike abilities that that <laughs> that if she took a look around would totally dispel the idea of anyone dying in front of her at all. Like Yeah. It, that that idea was just crazy, and it should have backfired big time, and it momentarily did. Yeah, I feel like I feel like he should have gone to the planet surface and not brought her to him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But at that point, like the issue was just a Katamari damase of <laughs> fucked up choices <laughs> that led to that moment, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a that is. There's no way, other way to put it. <laughs> there are much better ways to put it. That was my way. <laughs> What's coming up next time? The next episode of the show is season three, episode five, The Bonding. When the ship's archaeologist is killed on a mission led by Worf, the Klingon feels responsible for the son she left behind. Do you remember this episode at all? Who are they referring to as the Klingon? That seems like a very unnecessary the boy <laughs> moment yeah. in the in the story there. Yeah. <laughs> is this is this the one where the boy slicks back his hair and tries to become like Data? Uh I think that's a different one. There I feel like there are three episodes that are like this. There's one where it's like a kid that was The slick back trilogy is what you're talking about. Yeah, there's a total slick back trilogy. Like, there's a there's a boy that wants to be like Data. There's a boy that he he won't take his gloves off because touching an alien is unclean. But he's a human who is like orphaned. Huh. And then there's one where Worf keeps like trying to get the boy to do like a Klingon ceremony with them, and they're like, no, 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 that is not cool. <laughs> God, you know, if it's anything like the bar mitzvah, I don't think that kid can hang. Yeah. It makes me realize that this this show is just fucking lousy with orphans. Like you've got your your Wesley, you've got your Worf, kind of got your Data. Yeah. Kind of got your Riker. Like they're goddamn It's a ship orphans, of orphans coming out of the bulkheads. Yeah. Hmm. Really makes you think. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> no shade to orphans. I'm just saying like more than average, right? Right. Like in in any cast of eight people, how many orphans should you normally have? Four? <laughs> Here's the idea, guys. <laughs> we make them all orphans, but we underwrite the women entirely. Like, <laughs> like, it's just moody chocolate lovers. Those are the women on the show. 
<laughs> when we can't kill them, they're just bitching about chocolate. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully the the current writer's room is taking a better crack at things than this <laughs> one. Yeah. I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to discuss this episode, uh, the Slickback Trilogy, and any other episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Uh, I'm on there as at CutForTime, and Ben is there as at Benjamin R, A-H-R. We're on the Maximum Fun Reddit and the Greatest Gen Reddit. Um, one thing I'd love to request of our listeners, if you're, if you're inclined to shoot the breeze on Reddit at all, uh, I would love to see people go and leave a comment on the Maximum Fun Reddit because uh, we usually get like one or two comments there. And I feel like it'd be fun if like people were, were getting engaged there because I think that other Max Fun listeners would see that we're a very lively community and uh, <laughs> maybe get on board, you know? If... Greatest Gen listeners actually started commenting on the Maximum Fun board. It's like, it's like a biker gang showing up to a church mixer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to talk on the phone. Yeah, like tables are gonna get flipped over, feelings are gonna get hurt. It's gonna be fun. I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah, it would be good. I think, or if not good, amusing. Yeah. Uh, we're also on Facebook. There's a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Uh, those should both be pretty easy to find, and I think if you can find one, you can probably find the other. Yeah, and uh, look, the only reason our show is here is through the generous support of our listeners, so if you feel like being one of those, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yeah, you should also just check out all the great shows on Maximum Fun. Uh, we can't recommend this network highly enough. Just a bunch of like really like wonderful, good-hearted people that are making really funny and thoughtful shows uh, on all types of different subjects. Has uh, Pam Adlin been on Bullseye? I bet oh, she'd be great. No, I bet she has. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back into the back episodes of that show. That's one of my favorites, and I bet she'd be great on it. Yeah, Bullseye is... Louis C.K. was on it recently. Yeah. Speaking and, of people and, who have been on Louis. And, uh, yeah, they're best buds. Yeah. She's, she's, like, co-written a lot of that show at this point, right? She is great. She's top tier. Yep. We should thank Dark Materia for our music and everybody that creates like cool fan art and whatnot. Still, still enjoying the hell out of the uh, the Bill Tilly trading card collection. Oh man, um, the hollow cards that he's coming out with are especially good. Oh, the best. <laughs> well, uh, with that, we will be back at you next time. With a great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and unfortunately, this as well. Yep. Slick back. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener support. Slip back with my mind and my scarves and my scarves on my mind. You're going to have to decide whether to keep that.